Artemis endeavors to get more women in the field and on the water, to support women as leaders in the conservation movement, to ensure the vitality of our lands, waters, and wildlife. Artemis endeavors to change the face of conservation. everyone. Welcome to the Artemis Podcast. I am your host, Marsha Brownlee, and we are joined today by co-host Becca Aceto. Hi, Becca. Hello, Marsha. On this beautiful Thursday, not this Friday, be- Thursday. As we've, yep, as we've established today is not Friday, it is Thursday. Um, and it is beautiful. Is it beautiful in Idaho? Yeah, I can finally see the mountains again. It's such a relief. It is hot, but I mean, at least it's not smoky. I can keep my windows open at night again. Nice. Yeah, we had, we've had a, actually, um, it's supposed to be hot again today in Missoula, but we've had a really beautiful reprieve where it's been like high 70s, low 80s, which is, um, and, and clear skies, which has been nice. We'll see how long it lasts, but I'm enjoying it while it's here. Our guest today is Hannah Markham. Hi, Hannah. Hi. Yeah, I'm very jealous of you guys talking about the weather and like, oh, it's 70 because (laughs) I'm here in Texas. And I mean, it's not too bad right now at the moment. It's 90 and uh, it's the high is is 97. So so in Texas, if like if we're not in the hundreds, like we're doing pretty good. (laughs) So I guess I can't I can't complain too much. But yeah, hearing hearing uh, someone say, oh, yeah, I can sleep with the windows open. I'm like, oh, that would be so nice. Right. (laughs) Yeah, that's like the that's my one requirement wherever I live if I can't do that then I don't know if I could get through the summer months I I totally understand <laughs> yeah, I don't know Becca I feel like with the way fire seasons have been lately <laughs> I mean I suppose you can say that for the majority of the Idaho summer but I don't know are you gonna have to move out of Idaho sometime oh I'm yeah my this. boyfriend how far more how far north are we willing to move conversation before <laughs> more this summer than ever before you know, uh and I always think oh gosh I just can't have it because it's supposed to be 97 here in Montana today Hannah but it's also supposed to be like zero percent humidity <laughs> and I always just feel <laughs> for Texas uh in in the humidity levels that you guys yeah live through yeah it's it's much worse in like southern texas i'm i'm in north texas so um uh, houston especially i know that the majority of the time it's like nearly 100% humidity so yeah it's all yeah that it's always like yeah it's a but it's a dry heat that's always the like <laughs> yeah but it's a dry heat cuz we definitely don't always experience the the dry heat part of it <laughs> yeah yeah, and having grown up in Michigan, which is also very humid, um, I I personally will take the dry heat any day of the week and twice on Sundays. <laughs> yep. Um, but enough about the weather. Uh, I feel like I hope our listeners enjoy that part of the podcast because that's definitely how I usually enter <laughs> into the conversation. And I imagine some <laughs> of you are over it and we'll just move right along. Uh, what's in your freezer, Hannah? So yeah, right now it's getting a little low because <laughs> because we're coming up on season. But yeah, we have we have whitetail turkey, and I think that that's it. Yeah, it's a we had ram, but we ate we ate all that. <laughs> mm. um, and we do have um, could potentially have we were supposed to have axis, um, but twenty twenty 
you know, changed, changed that for us. So um, that could be coming up this year, but we really don't know yet. So, mm. so yeah, that, that's, that's what we got. And I'm eager to fill it back up for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Hannah, one of the things I'm, uh, well, I don't want to say jealous because it's a nuisance, but the opportunity to hunt wild hogs, is that ever anything that you've had in your freezer before? Oh yeah. And so I actually did, I, I did leave that out. We do have a, a handful of some groundhog um, which I say that I usually say just pig. Like I think, I don't know if that's a Texas <laughs> thing where we just say, we just call them pigs. Um, but then I think some people, when you say that, think like your farm, <laughs> uh, your farm pig, but yes, we do have. And I, so if I say ground hog, like people hear groundhog, like not a pig. <laughs> so I try to, like, I don't, I never know how to actually talk about it. So yeah, ground pig, pork, however, <laughs> we oh. have some of that. And yes, yes, that's a huge, huge part of hunting in Texas because um, I always say uh, no matter what hunt I'm currently on, if I see a pig, it becomes a pig hunt <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because they're just so um, abundant, I guess is the right word, um, and really very invasive to the land that uh, – you know, you're on. So, cause they, it, it never fails. Like if you have a pig problem, um, they just do, do such damage. They root up, you know, the ground and it literally looks like someone came and tilled, um, that area, but no, it was pigs. They, they came in and then, cause they'll dig up roots and eat those. And it really looks just like, it's so hard to describe. Um, if you haven't seen it. <laughs> it's amazing how strong their little noses are. Whenever I see them, I'm like, there's no way they can do that much damage. And they sure do. Yeah. How, I'm curious what the, how, as a Texas resident, do they like just give hog tags out over the counter as much as people want them to help with that problem? <laughs> Yeah, so I, that's a great question, actually, because in Texas, there they don't there are no tags for pigs um, okay, for wild yeah. for wild hogs. Um, I think that if you are out of state, and I could be wrong about this, um, so for sure, don't don't like I'm not Do your the, research the expert. First. Yep. <laughs> please, yeah, please, like trust but verify. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I think that if yeah, if you're out of state, you do need to to get a um, some kind of license at least, but there is no, there's no tag for it. So there's no season, um, for, for pigs. You can hunt them anytime. There's no limit. Um, nothing like that just because they are so, uh, they are such a, an, a problem that it's, it's like, yeah, come on. Yeah. <laughs> come on, come help us. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So Hannah, tell us a little bit about who you are. Yeah, so I never, I, I feel like I probably at 32 years old should know how to answer this question better. <laughs> but every time I get asked, like, oh, tell, tell us about yourself, I have like a little mini, like, not panic attack, but just like a little, like, oh no. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, so, because I never know of what to say that would make these seem interesting to people, but hey, it's fine. Um, <laughs> so I, yes, I'm 
32 years old, uh, born and raised in Texas. I am a social media manager as my day job. Um, and I have, you know, four, four dogs. So I'm one of those crazy dog moms. Nice. <laughs> yeah. That's wonderful. And I always, yeah, I agree. I always feel a little bit of anxiety when, with that question, tell us a little bit about who you are because, um, like, I mean, there's a lot there, right? <laughs> there's, there's a lot there that you could go into. Um, and inten- it's intentionally left a little bit wide open so you can take us wherever you want to go. Um, so that's fantastic. And it also sounds like you might be an introvert based on the way that you oh, <laughs> entered for into that. sure. But that's so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's amazing that you <laughs> were able to pick up on that. Um, just from, you know, the things that I said, but yes, I'm one of those, uh, interesting social introverts. So like, I love to talk to people and I, I love to, I do love to socialize and I am, I would like to think that I'm like fairly decent at it. Um, <laughs> but at the end of the day, I am peopled out for sure. I'm like, let me just go home and like cuddle with my dogs and I don't want to talk to anybody. <laughs> I, I believe that describes all three of us on this conversation. So. Mm-hmm. Um, Hannah, tell us about your journey into hunting. How did you get started hunting? Yeah. So like a lot of the women that I've been very fortunate to talk to, my journey into hunting did not start in childhood. It actually only started about five or six years ago after my boyfriend got into hunting himself. And he didn't grow up hunting either. His dad um, did hunt in childhood, kind of didn't, I mean, here and there would hunt, um, but he was in the Air Force. And so, you know, was 30 year Air Force um, career. So when he actually retired, he kind of picked that hobby back up after, you know, having more free time Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and being home more and things like that. And so, um, so he started to do that more often. And his dad actually experienced, was experiencing some health issues. And my boyfriend wanted to spend more, wanted to find something to spend more time, to be able to spend more time with his dad. And so hunting, bow hunting just became something like he tried a few different things and he shot a bow and that became the thing. And he very quickly became obsessed, I think is probably the right word. (laughs) Um, And spent all of his time at a uh, archery range and that whole first for the first year I wasn't really not involved at all and so I was that hunting widow like he would go shoot his bow then when hunting season came around he would he would leave town and I I would sometimes go with him and you know stay back at the house or whatever but he would be you know gone all day and you ask oh hey how did it go and and like they tell you but you don't really get it. And so you just feel like disconnected. And so, um, and that entire time he, he was encouraging me, like, you should get a bow. You should like, you don't have to hunt, but like you could do, you could practice with me. And so after, (laughs) after a year of that, of just like (laughs) him chipping away at me, I feel like, um, I, I ended up getting, getting my own bow and we would, we would shoot together. And I, um, toyed with the idea of doing maybe competition, um, archery, doing maybe 3d courses. And during that time, I would also 
started, I had, had also started to go, um, sit with him out, um, you know, during turkey season or whatever it was, and then started to sit by myself. And as I became more, um, confident in my archery skills, like I would see those animals, you know, come in at 20 yards and see them. And after, you know, watching those hunting shows and paying, you know, attention here and there, I knew the vitals. And like, I was asking myself, like, could I, could I actually do it? Like, could I do that at 20 yards? Could I make that shot? Like, would it be ethical? How would, like, how, how would it go? And you don't know the answer to that question (laughs) until you do it. And so I think once I started having those thoughts, I wanted to do it and then I did it and here we are. (laughs) Yeah. That's fascinating. So, so it sounds like the, when you were sitting by yourself, you weren't hunting. You were just sitting in nature kind of as a hunter would, but without your bow. I, yeah, there were, there were times I think that I, because (laughs) I, I tend to gloss over the part of like he and I sitting together, he would get on to me just like constantly. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, you're being, oh, stop moving. Stop. <laughs> oh, you can't talk. But you're I was like, oh, he whispers, you know, you can't, you can't talk. But, and I'm like, but you're talking to me. <laughs> so oh, the joys of hunting with a partner. <laughs> and so I think he kind of quickly, and, and I don't, I honestly, at this point, I don't remember who suggested it. Um, but I, he was sitting in a ground blind at the time. And his dad had a tree stand and I wanted to experience sitting in a tree stand. And, um, I think it was a, like a one person. So I would have had to do it by myself. And so I worked up the courage to climb up, <laughs> climb up at which the, the tree stands, uh, in Texas, cause we, our trees are just not that tall, like compared to uh, like other States. We just, I almost feel like we don't even really have real, real trees, but, um, for me it was, it was, you know, I took a lot of courage to, to climb up that, what I think is a tall tree stand. Other people would probably laugh at what I think is a tall, tall tree stand, but, um, but yeah, I did it and I loved it. Just Mm -hmm. the being able to see, be up in the trees and see so much more and watch them actually come in and leave and that whole experience was like yeah I was like basically a glorified you know nature watcher I don't know (laughs) no I I kind of love that uh and honestly this isn't a story that I that I've heard before uh, but I really like that idea of um I guess I don't even know what to call it but um warming up right like like uh, scaffolding yourself to be, to ask all of those questions, like, could I take the shot? What would be an ethical shot before you're in a position um, with a firearm or a bow in your hand to, uh, to, to make that actual call? Uh, right. I think for new hunters, that could be a really cool uh, way to enter the field, especially if there's still some hesitancy. Yeah, for sure. And that's what I mean, I think that I did feel a little bit of pressure um, when when I decided that maybe I wanted to hunt. Um, 
in that first season, I got my, you know, I obviously I had, uh, I had my own tag and everything. And I was like, okay, yeah, I want to do this. I do think that maybe I, I put pressure on myself that I really wanted to end that my first season with an animal. And I almost like, it was a, my first year was like the picture perfect situation where it was a pass through vitals. Like, I think it was double lung and heart. He went 15 yards and, and fell over and a very, very like good, good first experience. But, um, as far as like the pressure that I put on myself, I almost wish I hadn't done that, but I definitely didn't have pressure from outside forces of being like, Oh, you, you know, you have to do this. No, I, it was very like at like, just take it step by step. And I agree with you that I think that that is a great way for people who always ask, how do I, how do I get my wife or my kids or whoever, my, my brother involved? I, that's what worked for me. So Mm -hmm. that's what I, that's the advice that I give them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So so when you did harvest your first animal, uh, was it a white tail? It was. And were you alone? I was sitting by myself, but my boyfriend had and had a, had his own setup, probably, um, probably like three hundred yards, four hundred yards away. Interesting. That's very cool. Um, and when was that? How long ago was that? How long have you been hunting? That now was uh, five years ago. So yeah. And is there a, a reason in particular that you started with bow? So, yes. Um, I mean, I obviously I got a bow because that was what my my boyfriend got. But I also um, looking back on it, I uh, I didn't grow up hunting, but my dad would dove hunt one weekend out of the year every year. And I went with him maybe two times um, when I was a preteen. And he, the first time I shot a gun ever was his 12 gauge shotgun side by side old. It was like, a, it's like an older gun. I think I was maybe 11 and the recoil of that gun just freaked me out, <laughs> freaked me out, kind of turned me off of guns. Um, and so I think that, uh, having that experience shaped me into having a lot more, um, affinity for archery rather than firearms, which that's kind of, I'm this last year, I actually do now own a shotgun, um, hunted this turkey, this last turkey season, my first season with a shotgun. Um, and so I'm coming around, (laughs) but, but it took, it's, it's, it's taken me a while. Um, so yeah, that's I think that that's why. Yeah, I feel that and I yeah. It's it's loud and it uh can be it just yeah, it disrupts the stillness um in a way that a bow doesn't. Mhm. So um what well tell us a story. Can you tell us a story of a memorable time in the field or um it can be on a hunt, it cannot be on a hunt. Just something that sticks with you. Oh, okay. And this one is probably a fun, like, it's kind of probably an interesting one to, that is the one that popped up in my head just now, but it is what it is. So, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> the, uh, where we were hunting, 
two years ago, I had to walk about, uh, about maybe like three fourths of a mile to get to the, the blind that I was hunting at. And of course you're, you're going out, um, you know, before the sun rises and I am going to be honest in that I'm kind of a chicken and <laughs> afraid of the dark. And I always like, I, sometimes I wonder if I, and the reason why I don't see animals because I'm like booking it. I don't care sometimes if I'm being too loud um, in terms of my walking to where I'm going, because I just want to get there and get in the the blind because that's when I am like, okay, I'm safe now, even though, I mean, I know that that's not, <laughs> not really true, but there's something about, you know, the mental, there's something mentally about that where I'm like out in the open and <laughs> I'm like, I need to just get there and like get, get myself set up. Um, and my boyfriend always tells me like, you have a, you, you're, you have a weapon. <laughs> Why do you feel this way? I'm like, listen. <laughs> it's true. It's a real thing. I don't need your judgment right now. <laughs> <laughs> nope. I'm walking out and we, um, I was walking through a, uh, a cotton field that had been planted and the cotton hadn't really come up that year, but, um, it was like probably about to my mid thigh or whatever. And, I'm walking and I see, I have my headlamp and it's like a red light because it's not as bright as what like a white light would be bringing, it wouldn't, it doesn't bring like nearly as much attention, um, and spook animals and uh, supposedly, I don't know. That's what, you know, that's what, that's what I'm told. <laughs> um, and so I see like that, you know, reflective, like, glimmer in my peripheral vision and it's probably like 10 yards away and uh it was two like eyeballs like 10 yards away from me and it was not a deer that from just like where the eyeball position was and I don't know why but like my mind automatically went to like not anything not any like real animal but like some kind like maybe like a chupacabra or something I just like <laughs> immediately was like oh my gosh it's like it, yeah it's the chupacabra <laughs> you know um, and I, I, I don't doubt that Texas is the place to see a chupacabra <laughs> if, if there's a place I stopped dead in my tracks like stop dead in my tracks what do I do I don't like pull an arrow out of my quiver and like lo load it up I mean it's dark so I I don't know what I would have done if if it had started coming towards me but like it's not moving I'm not moving I whip out my phone and text my boyfriend because he like somehow he's gonna <laughs> save <laughs> from these eyeballs that are staring at me um and like I'm shaking at this point and I almost start crying. Um, <laughs> and like, I'm like, there, there's something out here looking at me. I, I don't know what to do. And he's, he, he, you know, tells me exactly what I, what I just told y'all, you have a weapon, just like get your arrow out. You're fine. And so I very, like, I, I do at that point, put my phone away, grab an arrow. <laughs> I have it um, in my hand and I like very slowly start walking and, <laughs> just go to my, my, my stand. And, and I, obviously I'm okay because I'm, I'm living to 
to tell the tale today. It and I now looking back on it, it was a coyote. Um, I'm pretty sure, but oh my gosh, that scared. I think when I did get into the stand, I think I finally had that. I was able to let myself have a little cry. Uh (laughs) Like I said, I have no idea why that's the story Mm -hmm. that I'm telling you, but that's the story I'm telling you. I'm sure there's so many women who can relate. Um, I hope. (laughs) hundred percent. That the that adrenaline of coming up on something that's unexpected, and you don't. I mean, it probably was a coyote, but it could have been a chupacabra. Like it, it was dark. <laughs> yeah, there's no telling. <laughs> and it just—that's so interesting. Like it just—it didn't. It sounds like it didn't move. It just no, stood there and watched it, it go by. It, um, I didn't turn around mm. to see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, I started. I think once I started moving um it probably did run away uh but yeah sometimes I think if if it's if it is like eating something that it killed they don't mm. they don't go off um it, if they could drag whatever it was I th- they probably do but it wasn't moving <laughs> yeah oh interesting I'm with you in getting to the spot that I'm going to as quickly as possible um, at, at whether it's before sunrise or after sunset. Like, mm-hmm. I don't need to. Yeah, I'm just going to I'm just going to get to where I'm going and then sit really still so nobody knows I'm there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, once you're sitting, like once you're there, there's something about that that like makes me feel like, OK, now I'm safe. <laughs> yep. Yeah, well, I just feel like it's uh, like then you're then you're the one doing the observing and not the one who's observable which is a super (laughs) simplified way of saying it but I can sit really still and blend in with my camo and nobody like knows I'm there Uh, but if you're moving then you're just obvious yeah that's when it's acceptable for animals to to come in your line of sight (laughs) exactly yep yep otherwise like uh, no you're not following my you're not following my script (laughs) these aren't the rules (laughs) Awesome. Um, so I'm curious, uh, one of the other things that I would love to talk to you about is your social media presence and kind of the story of what motivated you to step into the national conversation on hunting through that presence. Yeah. So my name on Instagram, which is that that's really the first place that I, uh, you know, created a hunting, you know, page, was Instagram and my name is Hannah the plus size hunter and I created my page because um I am a plus size woman and when I first started hunting and or just you know decided I wanted to was interested I had a lot of struggles as I know now all women do in finding hunting gear um so I it actually came from my boyfriend's encouragement to create the page and share my experiences with that because he very, you know, smartly told me like, you're not the only one that has this issue. Why don't you, you know, share the things that you found that work for you and try things on. And, you know, like, because he knows as a social media manager, I, I know enough about social media to be able to 
communicate hopefully effectively I hope I mean I get paid to do (laughs) to do that for for a brand so yeah I sure hope I can do it for myself so so yeah that was the that was the start of it and it has really been so much bigger greater wonderful positive thing than I ever ever imagined it would be that's fantastic and uh I've watched your YouTube channel um, and love it. So thank you for doing what you do uh, because it's, it's interesting, you know, in, with Artemis, um, we have done a lot of research and a lot of talk about the unique barriers that uh, keep women from outdoor recreation sports um, and specifically hunting and fishing um, and, and comfortable gear and, body image and just the idea of feeling like this is a space where you belong is is one of them and i find that so interesting and especially how the two reinforce each other right? it's like right. if you can get over um the body image um challenges that i think the majority of us have um if you can move past that to the point where you're like no i'm going to do this and then you you look for the gear to assist you and come up um, short on, on, on the needed tools to do that. It just kind of reinforces the notion that, um, this, that you don't belong in this space. Absolutely. Yeah. No, you just said everything that I, I, that I experienced for sure. in my first, the first time I ever went into a store to try to find stuff for myself, because I did, you know, I, when I would tag along with my boyfriend, I would wear his stuff and that was fine. And it worked because I was just like, well, yeah, I'm just like, I'm just going with you. Like I I don't need to buy my own pants. But then when I decided that I wanted to do it for myself, I I wanted my own stuff and he wanted, you know, me to not wear his pants because he wanted to wear his (laughs) pants. (laughs) Um, So, and like, I remember being excited in a way to be able to get my own gear and then very quickly, that excitement got got ripped away because I couldn't find anything that fit. And that experience is so relatable to women everywhere, no matter if it's hunting or not. Um, But yeah, to tie it back into what you said about not feeling like we belong, because that really did reign true for me because it was like, well, they don't like, they're not making it anything that works for me. So I guess like, they're not thinking about me because I guess this really isn't for me, but then, you know, you, of course, I think the hope you hope that most women can snap out of that, like negative self-talk and like, hopefully a logical part of you is like, no, 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 this is like, that's whatever. Like, it's fine. Keep going. You're worth it. We all are, (laughs) but that doesn't mean that those thoughts don't creep in because they still do for me, like all the time, not all the time, but they, they happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think we're, we're all used to talking ourselves through that. And I'm, I'm just going to say that bullshit aspirational marketing, that this is what it needs to be. Um, But that doesn't mean that we're not constantly reminded of it. And so right. the, the continuous effort of having to go, no, that's bullshit, <laughs> um, is still an effort. And it gets easier the, the more we do it and the more practice we become at it and the more confident, which for me has been age, 
really helps with that. Oh, I agree with that totally. (laughs) Um, But it's it's still something that we're confronting um, on a regular basis. It's unfortunate, but uh, I will say that in the last in the last watching over the course of five years, it's getting better, Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm excited to see uh, where it goes even in the future, because I would love for there to be not be that like where a, a, a brand new female hunter can go into a big box store, because I think that that is where most of us go um, the, the first year or when we're first getting started, because we don't know about the specialized like websites and stuff, because how would you? Um, but yeah, I hope that they can go into a big box store and find something that fits, that keeps them warm, dry, cool, whatever it is, like whatever it is that they're looking for, that it fits that need and fits their body. Um, that's like my dream. <laughs> yeah. Because there is something that's really important about, uh, you know, because we all have different preferences and different fits. And so being able to go in and try something on is 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 really valuable and even in once you do know once you're kind of a part of the sporting world and do know some of the online companies that you can reach out to for gear that have some great options you still can't try it on (laughs) and i really like um uh being able to walk into a store and and try things on because it is such a particular fit for each Mm -hmm. person as much as I hate dressing rooms. <laughs> as much as I hate dressing rooms. And as, as much as I hate, like, you know, going into public. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I'm right there with you. That's why. And that, and then part of that is why I started my page, have YouTube videos, because there is so, that is so true. There is something to be said about if you can't, if you can't try it on, seeing it on someone else's body yep. is is the next best thing. Yeah. And along those lines, like what, uh, cause I think I, th- what are some gear recommendations that you think women need to know about when it comes to fit? Oh man. Yeah. I almost feel like I have this down to not a science. Cause it is, it, it does depend on, on the, the, the item that you're looking at, but the things that I personally do every time that I'm trying something on to try to think about how am I going to talk about this, um, to try to, you know, tell other women is, um, I like stretch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Number one, um, I like stretch and the reason for that. So like a waistband that has elastic in it because white tail season, especially, or, you know, just like fall season, any hunting season that happens in the fall into the winter. Like, I mean, we're getting into, the holidays and don't we all gain <laughs> five pounds throughout the holidays? Um, I mean, maybe not because I think some, no, some people... I, I mean, I think that's a pretty fair <laughs> statement. <laughs> I feel like I it mean, is. at the basic level, right? Like we all, like we all eat, eat too many Christmas cookies or whatever. <laughs> um, but then also, you know, you think about, um, different times of the month, you know, if it's mm. that time of the month, you're going to be bloated and you're sitting and, just having a, a stretchier pair of pants just makes you that much more comfortable. So, so I like an elastic waistband. Um, and 
on the opposite end, if you do a ton of hunting, do a ton of walking, put in those miles and maybe lose a little bit of weight, that, uh, that elastic waistband is going to be a little more forgiving and, and, and hug you, uh, tighter so that maybe you don't have to wear a belt or, you know, whatever the case may be. So, so number one, uh, stretchy. <laughs> and then the second thing is that I look for um, is length. You want it to be the appropriate length for you because you don't want to be tripping over it. Um, that's That could be potentially dangerous depending on the situation that you're in in that moment. And so I like, I also like things that offer uh, an adjustable inseam if that's not possible or if you just make sure that it it fits you okay you can always stuff your pants into your boots or wear um those tall tall rubber boots or snake boots um and that's a solution i also now have um leg gaiters that i use from time to time and that can help with that as well and uh the last thing that i do in the dressing room that i would encourage uh women to do when they're trying something on is you make a ton of movements that you would be doing while you're hunting. So like if you are a bow hunter, like do the motions where you're, you're drawing your bow back and, and do you have, um, does that jacket restrict anywhere on your back? Um, can you, can you lift your, your shoulder up? Is it tight? Is it restricting you? So, or bending over, kneeling down, laying on the ground, all of those things, like if those, if that piece of clothing is hindering you in some way, then it's not worth the price tag. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So those are like, just at the basic level, the things that I, I look for and kind of require from, for, 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 uh, to pass my test. Mm -hmm. I, I think that what people, don't necessarily think of in terms of hunting clothing is that it's just gear right it's something that makes the task easier out in the woods or the backcountry or in a tree stand and so it's almost on the same level as like trekking poles or boots you know it should be functional keep you warm dry etc so it's like I've actually personally never done what you just said because I've always ordered things online but then, you know, you put it to the test in the field and you realize pretty quickly what works and what doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think thinking about it is like, this is a piece of gear, not a piece of clothing. It's not fashion, right? It's functional. Um, has always helped me make decisions and know when to call a piece of clothing that I don't need anymore. Oh, I like that. Call a piece of clothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, so, I think sometimes like they, I mean, I personally, I appreciate when clothes are, um, they fit my female form a little bit better, but you know, I don't want like tight clothing on me when, you know, you're hiking many miles a day. Um, it's just not practical. I like that framing because I think, I think it's easy for us to get personally involved in the clothes that we wear and thinking of it more as gear it's like, no, this has to work for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I like that framing. Yeah. And so to, to piggyback off of what Becca said, like, I, I agree with that sometimes. And we all, like, like you said, we all have different preferences. And sometimes those super fitted pieces of clothing, um, 
aren't functional, but for some people they, they are because of their body type. So it's never, it's never one size fits all. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's, that is my challenge. I feel like often to, to try to find a way to talk about stuff that maybe I personally (laughs) don't like, um, but want to make sure that I'm respectful for the people who are watching that maybe own it and love it. Like I never want to offend anyone. Um, yeah, I get like at the end of the day, it's like, it is just a pair of pants or whatever. (laughs) And hopefully they don't take it, you know, take, take my, my, uh, whatever I feel about it to, to heart. But yeah, sometimes stuff just doesn't work for certain body types. If you're tall, maybe you don't like a certain brand because they don't cater to you. And yeah, those, those things are, are just very unique and specific. And, and I think having that mindset of, like you said, like thinking about it as like gear and it needs to like, I I want it to have ABCD and whatever that means for you um, should be kind of the way that you decide what you're going to wear that next season, just to help you find what works best for you. And I, 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 we've had a couple conversations recently. One was with um, Sharenda Burtz on a podcast a couple weeks ago where she was talking about having a fashion show, a hunting gear fashion show at an upcoming event they're planning for just that, right? Like we, there aren't very many voices um, out there talking about, um, I like, like the different fit and what each of us looks for and how this meets our needs and what it does and what it doesn't do. Like those conversations happen um, within hunting communities, but because a lot of us are still looking for those hunting communities, those conversations are hard to come by. And so that's one of the things I really appreciate about what you do, Hannah, is just having that conversation accessible, um, in, in a way that, uh, period, just having it accessible because it isn't for a lot of us. And I think there's a lot of, um, cool ideas happening within these communities, uh, about around gear. And I think incorporating that conversation more intentionally into any community event that we have could really um, help people find the gear that fits their needs. And just, just talking about like, I like these because it does this, um, but it doesn't do this. And so if you know something that does, let, you know, let me know. Absolutely. Yeah. Starting the conversation is always the hardest part, I think, because because once you bring one thing up, the hope is that, you know, the people that you're surrounded by um, will, will you know, chime in and say, oh, yeah, yeah, like, I like, I, I don't like that. But like you said, I like this. And so it just, it it's all information and it's all good. And we get to choose what we want to do with that. And that's the, I do try to frame things in that way uh, that, hey, I'm giving you the information what you do with it, that's, that's, that's all on you, girl. <laughs> yeah. But you're giving information that hasn't been given before. Um, right. And I yeah. think that's super cool. Oh, um, yeah. And I, th- I do feel like uh, this is a good segue to talk about something that I'm personally interested in, <laughs> which is sports bras. Um, and uh, there's a bit of a story leading up to this. So, I mean, I spent a lot of time thinking about um, sports bras and, and gear for bras because it's a whole different issue that I could go on about for a while. Um, but we did a, 
a, a conservation work party in the field um, not too long ago here in Montana, and it was uh, a bunch of women got together to help replace some fence, so it's wildlife friendly. And like along that trip, I overheard this conversation of a group of like three or four women talking about sports bras. And it's, again, it's this, this conversation that we need to have so we can figure out what we need in our gear um, and then either find a company that's providing it or um, inform companies about what would be helpful. Um, and, and again, one of the reasons I love doing the Artemis podcast is because we can have these conversations about hunting gear and sports bras that generally, um, are hard to come by in other situations. Uh, but you did a video about sports bras not too long ago. And so I would love to hear your thoughts about hunting gear and sports bras. Yeah. So I love this topic. Um, it's actually been like something this summer that I, (laughs) I have like been on a sports bra journey, I think this summer, which is good, good for, for hopefully anybody who like you wants, like, I don't, we all want sports bra recommendations. I think that that's one thing that (laughs) that's one thing that I've learned. Um, the, the hard part of that is that, we all have different preferences. Um, and that's one thing that I've, I've learned because I'll, I'll recommend one thing and it'll, I'll get a lot of feedback, which I love. I'm so thankful for the, the, the women that follow me and I, the conversations that I get to have, uh, daily really at this point. Um, because it's just, they teach me so much and I get just as much out of it, hopefully as anyone gets with me sharing. So um, sorry, that got mushy, and I'll get back to my <laughs> my point. We like mushy. But... Mushy's good. <laughs> but um, I definitely have gone on yeah a broad journey, and so I am going to ask, how do you feel about removable cup pads? Oh. Need them? Need them? Hate them? Hate them? <laughs> Hate them? And Becca, so I I have small. I'm like small chested slash average and I like them because I don't want them so I'd rather just have a bra without them but that's just me okay so I see what you're saying yeah no I I I I guess if I have to have them then I want them removable so I can take them out okay (laughs) yeah and so you so then I guess I could ask it another way like do you like padding you would rather have it Becca than not I think I'd I'd rather have none. It's honestly, okay. it's too hot for me. I like okay. so hot when I'm walking around. And I think we're yeah, all and I feel on bulky. the same page then. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So we're all on the same page. So um, th- then that becomes a question. <laughs> then see, I told you, I, like I've gone down this, I've gone down this path this summer. So there's the, the bras that zip in the front. Mm-hmm. Um, cl- the ones that you, if you like a clasp, you can have a clasp. If you want to pull it over your head, you can do that. Um, if you like a cross, what is they, what do they call it? Racer like back. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, <laughs> so it really kind of, the, my answer, my long, my long story short is, um, I, ha- I feel like I have like one recommendation in each of those kinds of categories and it's on um my Instagram maybe I should really like y'all are inspiring me to share this actually as a post which because I haven't done it before I shared it as a story which went away which is not helpful for for people (laughs) who didn't get to see it um but they're um 
Amazon that I, I purchased the majority of them on Amazon. So very easily accessible, affordable um, options. So yeah, I, ha I now have about four that I that I really like that I've worn and tested and tried. Um, and some are better than others, but that's like my personal preference. So if anyone wants <laughs> that information, I will for sure have it up on my Instagram for them to go go and follow up and look at. Um, because yeah, yeah take us and you we'll share are, it. You are right. Like it's, I, and I'm not done either because I have more in my. <laughs> I have more in my Amazon cart because yes. I keep, because I buy, you know, because I buy them and they suggest other ones and I read <laughs> their reviews. I'm like, oh, this one looks great. Um, but to give a generic answer to, I have heard from so, so many women that the brand SheFit is the end all be all bra, like very, very supportive. And if you're the type of person that wants like that max support, like they're not going in anywhere. Huh. Um, that is the bra for you, but they are pricey. And so I feel like I have some, um, the Amazon like dupe affordable mm -hmm. <laughs> versions. Cause I'm just like, I'm not willing to spend that amount of money on a bra, which I should, that should like, maybe I should, maybe I should change my, my way of thinking and be like, listen, I'm worth it. <laughs> well, it's such a tricky thing because I go back and forth on that too. It's like, I don't want to, I don't want to spend a ton of money on bra underwear or socks, but <laughs> I also will wear them all well past their expiration date. That's true. And then <laughs> so, there's that opposite way of thinking of like, no, those are the things that you need to be spending yep. your money on. Like those are the things. <laughs> yep. If you do wear that, it, every, yeah. <laughs> I'm right there with you. There's something about that. It's like nobody sees it. So. <laughs> yeah. Nobody sees it. In, yeah. And it's also like, I don't know. They can be really expensive. Mm -hmm. if, if, yeah. Um, you know but, how for outdoor people, people love to gift socks. Maybe sports bras should be the new sock. I like it. people sports bras. Oh, for sure. Yep. I like that. And we'll do, when we do our gift episode this holiday season, we'll be sure to include that. <laughs> I like it. But, yeah. um, but another question I have, Hannah, and I don't know if you have any insight on this, but I feel like, you know, we're all, we're all hunting in, um, uh, in cold. Well, most of us are hunting in colder weather, at least some part of the season. And, and, and so there's a fair amount of like, you, you know, I hike into a spot and I work up a good sweat. So my base layer is nice and moist. And then I put on my, an, an additional outer layer while I'm sitting and everything cools down. And I find that sports bras can be really difficult in that situation because, you know, you can't find a smart wool sports bra that, that gives you the support you need, but also breathes and keeps you warm when it's, uh, when you're sweating. So yeah, like I don't know if there's an answer for that, but I find that oh, that's yeah. problematic. Like to get like weather appropriate or like um, material that that treats that that's still effective um, after it's been soaked through by the sweat you got climbing to the top of that peak. Oh man, that's a that is a great point, which I didn't ever think about in that exact way. Because I know, like you said, smart wool, which is like merino wool. And then I think I'm pretty sure Proist also has a merino wool sports bra, but they're like those very um, thin 
because I've seen the Proist one and I, I'm not familiar with the Smartwool one, but I imagine they're probably pretty similar. Like they're thin and yeah, like you said, not super supportive. Um, golly, I don't, I don't know. Um, because you're right. That's, I mean, I have the same issue whenever I'm sweat, like when I sweat, I'm a, my, I'm a sweater. My I sports to... bra is the place that collects it. Yeah. Yep. I, like I don't have a nicer way to say that. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm right there with you. I, mm, you stumped me. I don't know, but that would be something that definitely camo companies if they had something that was like a solution for that I'm sure we would all like buy it up (laughs) I know I would be very interested and so if any of our listeners know of something you you better let us know (laughs) please let us know yeah yeah now I'm like now I'm like I'm going to be paying this season. I'm going to pay a lot more attention to that. I will say I'm going to pay a lot more attention to that. Um, and whether or not I notice that impacting me feeling cold. Right. Um, cause you're hot. I mean, obviously first you're sweating and you're hot. Uh-huh. Um, and then you're cold. Do you often like one thing that, which you said that you, you hike in in your base layers and then when you get to where you're going you'll add that those additional layers on yeah do you wait until you have cooled off or do you do you just put them on I I usually so here's I mean again I'm a sweater so we're getting some personal <laughs> issues here um I'm I'll sorry. wait no 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 I oh, let's go there I do wait until I've cooled off but waiting until I've cooled off and waiting until I've dried off are not the same thing. That's true. That is true. Especially considering that there's like, there's that added layer, right? It's not just my, um, my wool base layer that needs to dry. It's the bra as well. And that mm-hmm. is thicker and it's, you know, there's elastic involved. So it just takes longer. And so it's, I'm always locking in some moisture. Yes, I hear that. I hear that and I do have that same problem, but I don't know that I've ever well, I'm not hiking up elevation, which changes everything. <laughs> um, I do sometimes have a have a, a decent trek in. Um, but yeah, I I it's like flat. <laughs> Which doesn't make it that strenuous. So maybe I'm not I'm not getting that a- as sweaty as I would if I were doing <sighs> something like that. But I'll, I, I for sure will pay more attention. And if I find that one of my bras pro- provides uh, a, a better solution than others, I will follow up with you and let you know and okay. share it public publicly too. Cause that is so fascinating. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, and I think it's, it's, it's uh, again, like there's, there's a bunch of different things that um, people who don't have this problem don't know to think about, right? Like, um, and, and, and I think as women in the sporting community, we come across it a lot. Like, uh, we don't necessarily think that our necks are longer when we're fitting a shotgun <laughs> or, you know, the, the shotgun manufacturers don't consider that women's necks are longer. And so it needs to fit differently. And it's the same thing. It's like, uh, if you don't wear a sports bra, 
then it's hard to anticipate the problems that that might bring about in the field. Um, yeah, but it's something sure. to think through. And maybe there's no right answer. But maybe it hasn't been thought about yet either. Yeah. No, I mean, you, you've blown. This is so. <laughs> I, I'm so glad that this it was brought up, first of all, because I was so excited to talk about bras because it's just an issue. Like, it's, and it's like one that we all we all wear bras. I mean, maybe there are some women who don't and like, cool. I'm, I'm like, I support you. (laughs) (laughs) Even if your bra doesn't, we do. (laughs) But, um, yeah, like it's in, in like exactly what you said when you introduced it, like it's something that doesn't get talked about enough. Um, and that's why I just, I love it because, because of this scenario that just got brought up because you have, you are looking for a solution for an issue that like, I didn't ever think about in that way. And now I'm like, so excited to try to help like provide a solution for you just cause that's, I'm, that's the kind of person, <laughs> that's the kind of person that I am. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> well, I, I will watch your feed with as much vigor as I can (laughs) and I'm sorry to say you're gonna have to wait because it does not get cold in Texas until (laughs) (laughs) that's fair until like January so I'm sorry (laughs) but yeah it'll be it'll be a minute but yeah I'm for sure gonna pay attention I will pay so much attention to that because I'm fascinated (laughs) awesome uh Hannah this has been fun I've really enjoyed talking with you is there anything else you want to be sure to bring up before I transition us a little bit to um hits and misses no I think I think I'm good Becca any burning questions um no I'm just gonna go reevaluate every single bra I now have in in my possession (laughs) after this conversation (laughs) well I'm here for that if you want to call me All right, we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sibling podcast, NWF Outdoors. We will be right back. Howdy, Artemis listeners. This is Aaron Kindle from NWF Outdoors. We know you love awesome conservation conversations. That's why we want to invite you to check out the NWF Outdoors podcast, where we dive deep into the issues, people, and places that showcase the best of the sporting conservation lifestyle. Guests include leaders, luminaries, and decision makers who define conservation and work tirelessly for fish and wildlife. Check it out wherever you get your podcasts or at nwfoutdoors.org. Okay, welcome back. Um, Okay, so we're going to dive into our weekly closer. What have you been aiming for and how did it go? Uh, Becca. Okay, so this is been an ongoing thing i'm hosting an event next week for the idaho wildlife federation and it's called wild fest so we're going to have all these really cool demos um learn how to pack a mule use a crosscut saw fillet a fish or i guess um clean and clean and break down a fish and then we were we are tentatively going to have a big game field dressing demonstration to give people a hands-on opportunity to learn how to break down a deer to do this we have to have a deer, right? And yep. so that has proved tougher than I thought. Um, in the past, 
we've hosted these events and we've just used roadkill that's in pretty good condition, which is what I um, am hoping we'll be able to do this year. But oh my gosh, it is so hard or harder than I thought it would be to find a roadkill deer. So I have like calls out to sheriff's offices and fish and game. And finally today I got a call from a biologist over in McCall, the town that we're hosting this event in. She's like, I found a deer for you. It's a little bloated and it's about a day old. Is that okay? And I'm like, you know, at this point, I mean, we're going to put it in a freezer. So it'll be frozen until next week. I'm hoping that it's okay. So I'm going to call that a hit. It may turn into a miss if ultimately that deer is not in as good a condition as we're hoping, but it was less than a day old. So hopefully we're okay. And I mean, it doesn't need to be eaten, right? Like it, 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 it just needs to be a demo deer. So hopefully. Yeah, exactly. Hopefully it's all good. That sounds delightful. Um, which actually hearing, like have hearing you talk about this reminded me of the packing trail cleaning trip that you did, which you talked about in a podcast a while back when you signed up for it. Right. I think I saw pictures of you on that trip. Oh yeah. I did talk about it. I forgot. Yeah. I have ridden horses my whole life. I think it's established already at this point that I'm a (laughs) quote unquote horse girl. Um, but, uh, since moving to Idaho, almost everybody here, if they have equines, they have mules. It's just practical when you're in the backcountry, and a lot of people pack. I don't know if this is a thing in Texas, Hannah, but a lot of people um, pack into the backcountry. So if you want to take, you know, a thousand pounds of gear in, you obviously can't take it on humans' backs, so they take it on mules and horses. And so two weeks ago, I got to go into the Frank Church and clear some trail and then learn how to pack mules with the Idaho Trails Association. And it was a wonderful time. It was an all-female trip, which made it really, um, I'm not like a half, I don't have to go on all women's trips. I don't have to go on co-ed trips. It's just how it worked out. But it was a really great group of women. I had a great time. And the age ranges, it was like 18 to 60. It was really cool to see everybody working together. That sounds so fun. I read this book a while back, and I'm struggling to remember the name of it, so I'll have to uh, dig deep on my bookshelf to come up with it. But it was this um, woman in Montana who worked uh, trail crew for one of the national parks um, and was kind of talking about her experience learning um, all of the the skills necessary to be part of a trail cleaning crew um, and uh, the ways that she made it work for, for her. Um, and the techniques developed to uh, use tools in a way that can kind of balance out the difference in strengths with the rest of the team members. Um, so I yeah, imagine, and you know, yeah. well, ahead. I was just going to say, you know, a lot of those tools, it's not necessarily how strong you are. Like one of my yeah. favorite tools to use is a Pulaski. It's got an ax head on one side and sort of like a scraping tool on the other side of the head. And it's all about using, like, letting the tool do the work. Um, And so it's, yeah, I'm sure that's a great book, but it certainly doesn't matter how strong you are. I think some of the best people back there are kind of like lean, you know, green bean type people who you wouldn't think would be able to swing an ax, but you just let the weight of that head do the work for you. And it's really cool to watch. That's very cool. Hannah, what have you been aiming for and how did it go? It is not as cool as what Becca just said, but that's, you know, that's okay. (laughs) Um, I am pretty excited because I have uh, 
had aspirations to have a vegetable garden for two years and I keep putting it off and not doing it and making excuses. <laughs> and this last weekend, I just like decided, you know what? I'm not making excuses anymore. I'm doing it. I, and so I bought four uh, vegetable plants, like two different types, actually three different types of tomatoes. So, so five, so yeah, three different types of tomatoes and two pepper plants. And I potted them and I have like a hodgepodge, very janky garden, but I have a garden and I'm like very excited about, uh, tending to it and it might be too late, but I'm learning as I go. And I'm just excited that I, you know, I did it. I'm he we're here now. That's awesome. And I disagree. That is just as exciting because I'm a garden geek and gardens are awesome. So congratulations. Yeah. I was yes. going to say the so same I, thing. Honestly, gardens provide more day-to-day -day excitement than I think anything I could almost I and that's what I'm learning every day I go out and now I'm mad I'm actually mad because grasshoppers are Ugh. are are yes see, see okay here we go and I'm learning about neem oil so here we go yeah, yeah. it's a it's a it's gonna be a, a journey <laughs> um I actually had a busted Coleman cooler just like a cheap like old cheap cooler and uh, the lid the lid broke and I decided like that's a container that's and totally so that's a like, container I, I drilled holes in the bottom and that's one of my containers and so now I'm like looking at things also in my house and like whole new ways too <laughs> I love it <laughs> you can make a container out of just about listen, everything listen that a plant can go in that for sure <laughs> that's, that's awesome <laughs> I learned something interesting the other day about my tomatoes and my squashes because like I'm in a situation where I'm getting a ton of blossoms, but they're not becoming fruit. Like they're not, they're just dying on the vine and, and, and not turning into what I want them to turn into, which is tomatoes and squashes. And a friend was like, that's because they're not pollinating. So apparently my yard lacks pollinators. And so I have to go around and self-pollinate my tomatoes. Mm -hmm. So I get tomatoes instead of just blossoms. And that was like both like like mind-blowing, but also heartbreaking because I want more pollinators. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I love – I had a big sunflower at random because I'm a brand-new week-old gardener here. <laughs> um grow and I just I love getting to see the bees come and like pollinate I don't know something about it is very exciting and I feel like that's what like you know you're you know you're getting older <laughs> <laughs> when those are the thoughts that you're having <laughs> like oh my gosh yes the bees come on bees pollinate pollinate my yard please yep, yep. <laughs> I, and I saw this bee the other day that was in my wildflower gardener garden and you could see the pollen on its knees you know like that it's the bees knees phrases because that's where they collect all their pollen and yes I was in the middle of a conference call and everybody heard about my bee's knees it's just <laughs> I think you're right it it, yep the things you get excited about they change people they evolve although Becca you seem like the type of person who's always been pretty stoked about bee's knees um I do love bees and that includes their knees as well so <laughs> that is true <laughs> that's awesome um see I'm my hit is kind of it's in line with yours, Hannah. It's about my uh, my garden, and I have 
I like growing squash because I really like eating squash. And so I typically have a lot of um, squash in my garden. And, you know, you can eat the blossoms. You can eat squash blossoms. But I haven't really delved into that before in part because most of the recipes that I see for squash blossoms are fried um, and stuffed. And that just, I mean, I, I love fried foods. Don't get me wrong. But the level of, of um, energy it takes to fry something is, it's, you know, it's, it's not hard and it's not impossible, but it's not something that I aim to do on a daily basis. And so it's I have, a commitment. You it's have a to commitment. be committed to want to fry something in your house. And then you got to deal with the smell. I, I feel you. Yep. And it clings to your clothes. And I live in 450 square feet. So it, it, it's like everywhere. It just, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but I came across this recipe that was uh, a pizza with squash blossoms on it. And so it's just like a pizza crust with mozzarella, like the buffalo mozzarella and um, squash blossoms and anchovies. Mind-blowing. Let me tell you, I'm going to have this thing Ooh, every week I now. Like and yeah, and all of those squash blossoms that I pluck in order to control the number of uh, squashes that my garden produces now have a place to go, and that excites me. So if you pull off the blossoms, could a fruit still come up, or is that excluding that little section from fruiting. Th- that's excluding that little section from fruiting. So if you want to squash, um, so, so I do it, it for a couple reasons. One is, um, uh, like I, like my squash typically have a lot of blossoms and it takes a lot of energy for that plant to then convert all of those blossoms into squash. And then I am only one person. So I have more squash than I can eat. So, uh, I'll control the number of squash plants that I let turn into actual squashes by plucking the blossoms. But yes, if you pluck a blossom, then it means that you will not have squash. Got that it. was a long explanation, but, uh, but, but I hate throwing them away because they're edible and now I can just make pizza and then it's just an excuse to eat pizza. <laughs> and, then, and if I needed another one of those, there you go. It's amazing how pizza is good. Even when it's 95 degrees outside, it's just mm-hmm. a universal food. Well, you can cook it on the grill. <laughs> Anything's good if you can cook it on the grill in 95 degree weather. Yeah. Yeah. I'm hearing that I that we need to go to you for all the pizza tips. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> I go through these phases where I get really um uh um I, I mean obsessed is probably an accurate word with a particular food and like will try and perfect um what I think of as perfection for that particular food. And so I've done chili because chili is one of my um, desert island foods. Like if I could only have one food, what would it be? It would be chili. Uh, And then pizza is another one. And so I have um, made some serious pizza mistakes. But on the flip side of that, I have developed a deep well of pizza knowledge. I love it. Yep. All right. So that's my hit. Um, Hannah, thanks again for a wonderful conversation. It was great talking with you and getting to know you. Um, and, and let's stay in touch. I would love to continue to, uh, to hear how you're doing and what you're doing. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Becca, it was good to hang with you. I feel like it's been a while. Thanks for being here. You too. You too, Marcia. 
And to our listeners, thanks for joining us on the Artemis Podcast. We hope you're having a great week. Until next time, be bold, stay curious, and get outside. Thank you.